Welcome to the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined by my co-host, Lando, and our tech producer, Keys. And before we get into what we have on tap for today, I wanted to start the show by congratulating our other co-host, Matt, on the birth of his newborn son and future Braves Hall of Famer, Maddox. We miss you this week, and we are very happy for you and Anne-Marie. Now, on tap for this week's show, we talk about the season-changing games from this past week, including the dominant performances by Georgia and Alabama, as well as the surprise upsets to contenders like Oregon and Florida. We also dive in the mailbag for some great questions surrounding the QB situation at Georgia, the state of the SEC outside of Bama and UGA, as well as some baseball predictions for the playoffs starting today, right before we jump into our picks of the week. Now, let's pop the tab. You know, you know what is one of my biggest pet peeves, Lando? No, what's that? How ESPN picks one song every year and plays it for every single college football commercial there is. Oh, yeah, I know. Hate it. Oh, God. It's one song, and it's half the time, it's not even that good of a song. Or if it is, it's a song that's extremely overplayed on the radio. So you hear it probably like nine to ten times a day. It's like they pick one that's kind of popular at the beginning of the season, and then it dies off, and they stick with it all year. Yeah, and they hype it up to start the year, too. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is like a, it's getting me hyped up for college football. And then you're at week six and you're like, please change the song. I'm tired of Imagine Dragons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I miss, though? Yeah. I, I miss the old um, intro to college game day. I feel like now it's just too much going on. And, you know, it's, it's just a lot going on. I, I, I get kind of tired of it. Who's the, who's the band that plays the college game day entrance? Is, that, is it Big and Rich? Ooh, that's a good question. Keys, look that up real quick. I don't know who it is. They've been doing it for a long time, and I, I liked it in the in the early days of it. But now they've they've added so many different elements to it. It's just so much going on. Yeah, it is a lot going on. It's coming to your city by Big Kenny and John Rich. Uh, big and yeah, Rich. Big and Rich. Big and Rich. I like it. I mean, I think it's a good way to start the show because they you know they throw in all the college team mascots well, and yeah, I like that. It's just they should never do it at noon like they did this week. Do what at noon? College game day. What do you mean? College game day came on. They didn't do it at noon. They did it at at 9 o'clock. 9 a.m. They should never do it for noon kickoffs. They're doing it this weekend for for, for noon kickoffs. They do do that every year. Like like, like for the OU Texas game, like some years when college game day is at OU Texas, of course, it's it's an 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff. So it's a noon game. It happens. So, I mean. Why Why is Texas, Oklahoma always at noon? Tradition. I never really understood that. Tradition. The game is always played yeah, at noon. But could you imagine that game at like six o'clock or seven o'clock under the lights? Well, that would be sweet. Well, 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 you have to think that the week of Texas Oklahoma is a Texas State Fair, so there's a lot going on that entire week, and I think the game is played, you know, at eleven uh, Central Time, just because that's when the fair is also going on. So it kind of you know gives the whole festive vibe and stuff like that. Yeah, I just kind of have the you have like the tailgating going on at the fair. Yeah, that, uh, man, I, I love that that game starts at noon. It, I, I hope it never changes. Uh, yeah, it would be cool if that game was played, you know, later at night. But eh, it's it's just tradition has to happen. Isn't that game usually on Fox too? And then this year it's on ABC, or is it always on ABC? Uh, so sometimes it, it, it kind of just depends on, 
I guess, on what the networks want to do. Sometimes it's on Fox. Sometimes it's on ABC. A lot of times it's on ABC. This year is going to be on ABC. Because the Big 12 has a deal with Fox, right, where they get yeah. first dibs to the bigger games. Yep. I wonder if since Fox took – since they have Iowa – Penn State this week. Maybe they just took that game as like their game of the week and then didn't take Oklahoma, Texas. So then ESPN got dibs in Oklahoma, Texas. And, and I think so because I remember very vividly one year where the OU Texas game was actually not nationally televised. So, because, really? yeah, because Texas was, was horrible and Oklahoma wasn't that great. So the game wasn't actually nationally televised. So my dad and I had to go to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the game. Was it on pay per view? Uh, was it on pay-per-view? Or was it like a Longhorn Network game? Longhorn Network did not exist at that time, if I'm not mistaken. It, it might have been on, on like a pay-per-view channel or something like that, because it, it wasn't on national television. It was on a channel that we couldn't get, so we, we decided to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch it there. I get most of the games all pretty much all the time, but every once in a while there'll be one game. Like this week I tried to watch Clemson and Boston College. Could not watch it. I had to find like a YouTube stream. Because it was on ACC Network. I know. I, I'm I'm glad it's not like the NFL. It's pretty accessible. But every once in a while, there's that one game that just kind of makes you mad. Well, and for some reason now with all the streaming and stuff, they do this like, like they did for, uh, what was it, Notre Dame Toledo, where they won't have a game accessible to cable. You have to have a streaming service to watch the game. Like that Notre Dame Toledo game, you had to have Peacock. It was only showing on Peacock. And then Facebook will do a couple games. I think they're more with baseball than they are with college football. But they'll do a couple games on there where you have to be a member of Facebook and have Facebook Watch to watch the game. And then Bleacher Report is starting to do games like that too. And I'm sure, like, you know, HBO might end up with one or whatever. I'll watch who knows. Netflix might have one some at some point. But I just don't – I don't get it. I, I, I understand, like, you're trying to get people to subscribe to your service too. But honestly, for me, if a streaming service does that, that's kind of sneaky to me, and I'm like, eh, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to use your service because you're, you're taking away one of the great things about America, and that is free college football. So I don't care how much Baker Mayfield pushes it. I'm not watching Hulu Live Sports. It's not too bad. It's I, I got YouTube TV. Um, I think Hulu is pretty similar. Baker Mayfield's in too many commercials too. That's that's one of the big reasons. Well, first of all, Baker Mayfield's smart. He's he's making his money. You know, it, it, if if I was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, you know, I would I'd have a lot of commercials too because you never know. Sometimes that NFL career doesn't work out. But back to what I was going to say, that's why I prefer college to NFL because on Sundays you're going to get your local game and then the Fox game of the week, and then you might get two CBS games or you might get none, no CBS games. So sometimes you'll be limited to just three or four football games. On Sundays, as opposed to on Saturdays with college football, you have a whole list of football games from noon to, of course, like Matt likes to watch Hawaii at, at 1230 in the morning. College football has games on all Saturday, and that's why I love it. Yeah, I mean, you could literally sit down and watch college football for hours. I mean, it, games start at 12, like you said, they end at, you know, 9 to 10 p.m. is the last kickoff uh, Eastern time. And like I do, you could have three to five TVs going all day and have decent games on every single TV. Like, it, it, it's incredible. And that's what sucks about the NFL, because if you want that same experience, you have to pay out your butt yeah. for the, what's it called? Uh, the Game Pass? Sunday ticket, NFL Sunday ticket. For Sunday ticket or for Red Zone. 
And red zone, you're kind of just swapping through just depending on who's in the who's right. you know about to score or whatever the best game is, which is what I do because I have YouTube TV, so I just pay the extra money to get red zone for half the year. But besides that, it's like if you really want to go watch every individual game and not pay a bunch of money for it, you have to go to a bar or a restaurant. Yeah, that that's what I've been kind of doing the past couple of weeks is uh, on Sundays I'll go to like Taco Mac or something and watch uh, the Eagles play or the Browns play or the Cardinals play. Of course, all those quarterbacks have uh, – I mean, all those teams have Oklahoma quarterbacks, so that's why I watch them. Ah, okay. But, nice, little, nice little throw in there. Yeah, a little, like little throw in there. Horns like down. It. little ho- horns down. Speaking of Oklahoma, how are you feeling about them going up against Texas this week um, um, after after how they looked against Kansas State? Well, I'm going to say I think – I think defensively, Oklahoma looked very good against Kansas State uh, until about halfway through that fourth quarter, and then they kind of started to give up. The team is good. Oklahoma has a good team. Defensively, it's much improved. It's really good. Offensively, it's still a struggle. I think Spencer Rattler played a lot better. Uh, he still has those moments of of ignorance where he'll he'll, he'll make a dumb throw. There, there are a lot of passes that he throws that are, that are just underthrown where the receivers uh, – have completely destroyed the cornerback, and they're they're miles ahead. All you gotta do is put it in front of them. We have uh, one receiver. Uh, he's the he's a true freshman out of Florida, number four Williams. That dude is a speedster. Once he gets in front of the uh, the cornerback, to just just throw it ahead of him, and he'll go get it. But several times he's thrown it behind him, and one time he threw it behind him uh, in the red zone and he got picked off. So he, he really needs to work on that stuff because even though Texas hasn't been that great in the past couple of years, that game is always close, no matter who's good or not. Just because it's it's the the Red River rivalry, that's a mouthful to say. Uh, a lot of people like to call it the Red River Showdown, but that game is always close just because those teams hate each other, and it doesn't matter who's good or not. Yeah, and actually, I think Texas is playing pretty good football at this point, too. Like, everybody kind of threw them aside after they got beat down by Arkansas, but as we've seen, I mean, not besides this week, because Georgia beat the crap out of Arkansas, but Arkansas has been a pretty good football team. I think Arkansas is a top 20 football team. Uh, I'd say Texas is in that top 30 range right now. I mean, I think they're 25 or 24. They're 21 right in now. In the AP rankings. 21? Yeah. Oh, wow. They took a big jump forward. But they're, I mean, they're playing good ball. So I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma, in my opinion, has played good. They just keep blowing leads. And I, I know you probably think the same thing. And it was the same thing last year, too, uh, before they really started turning it on. It's like they're blowing out these teams, and then they'll be up by two or three touchdowns, and they'll just like let off the gas. Yep. And out of nowhere, they'll be the team will be down six or seven points, and everybody's freaking out in the media and on TV because it's like, holy crap, this team that Oklahoma should be killing is only down by six points in the fourth quarter, or only down by seven points in the fourth quarter. Kansas State was never really in that football game. No. Me. They played well. But it was a 10-point game, 10 to 14-point game, 17-point game throughout the entire game. Like, it was really never that close. And then right at the end, they got the onside kick, and they scored that touchdown late, and they were only down by six, and da-da-da-da-da. But if you actually paid attention to the game, you knew that Oklahoma was going to win that game no matter what. Yeah, um, Alex Grinch said something in his uh, post-game presser that kind of explains why this team likes to give up these big leads to these teams. He said that our team believes in practice, and some of our players don't understand that. So basically what he is saying is there are players on this defense, on this team, that don't believe practice is important. So kind of what I've been preaching at this entire year, uh, I said it against a Tulane game. That game was almost lost uh, uh, during the week. 
because they came in, they didn't want to practice, they didn't practice well, they just thought it's uh, you know, weak old Tulane. And Tulane came in there and, and, and almost handed them their own ass. So it, it it wasn't as bad against Kansas State. They came out to play, but you still have to prepare in the in, uh, during the week, you know, in order to play four quarters of full football. You can't just you know go through it at half speed, or else teams like Kansas State, who are battle tested, who are tough, gritty teams, who have good head coaches, good quarterbacks like Skylar Thompson, they'll come and beat you. So this team really needs to work on practicing throughout the week, so that way you don't have those lapses uh, during the game on Saturday. Speaking of lapses, I think Dan Mullen and Florida are kind of going through that same thing. Dan Mullen has this knack where when he plays teams he doesn't really respect, he won't show up. The team just won't show up to play. I think they did that exact thing this weekend when they went and played Kentucky. I actually picked Kentucky to beat them uh, in my parlay that I did. I didn't pick it on the show. I actually, I think I took, I kind of talked about it on my lock. I said Kentucky was going to cover the eight and a half point spread, but I said Florida would probably win. Uh, but I actually ended up betting on Kentucky straight up and won like 50 bucks. But Kentucky Kentucky put it to Florida, and Florida did not look like they even deserved to be in that game to me. They didn't look like they even wanted to be there. No, yeah, and um, our friend Chad said, uh, said this in the group message. He said, every time Florida goes to Lexington, they always play like that. And it's the truth. The, the last couple of times Florida has gone to Lexington, Kentucky has has gotten really close. And this past Saturday, Saturday they finally did it. And... Kentucky just came in there and played their smash mouth brand of football and Florida wasn't ready for it. And Emory Jones, he looked good, but he's not a complete quarterback. And, you know, it's kind of sad that, you know, he is just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. What, what, what am I trying to say with it's It's sad that Florida doesn't really have a quarterback that can really guide their offense. They're kind of going back and forth between Emory Jones and uh, uh, the other guy. But it, it they need they need some stability. Yeah, the name you're thinking of is Anthony Richardson, Anthony and he actually Richardson. played. Yeah, he played a couple times in that game, and honestly, I think it hurts Emory Jones' in-game confidence when he keeps getting pulled for Anthony Richardson like that. And I understand why Dan Mullen's doing that because I think Anthony Richardson has a better skill set overall than Emory Jones does. But Emory Jones, the past couple weeks since Alabama, has looked like he's had a pretty good command of the offense. My problem with Emory Jones is in big-time pressure situations, like down the stretch and uh, like he did at the end of the game in that fourth quarter, he ends up turning the ball over or making a bad decision. It's like he doesn't have that clutch gene in him. But he's gotten a lot better at spreading the ball out. He's gotten a lot better at moving the ball instead of just just throwing it to a receiver that's covered by two people. I would honestly, if I were Florida at this point, you know you're not going to make the playoff. I would play Anthony Richardson more. Because you know he's probably going to be your quarterback for the next couple years. And Emory, as good as Emory has been this year, he, at the end of the season, he's done. I mean, this is his final year. And it's not like he's doing too much that's way more special than what Anthony Richardson would give you. And you get Anthony Richardson that experience he needs going into next season. Uh, But that's just me. And you know what? I'm not going to discredit Kentucky's win at all. They came out there and played some great football. They slowed the game down. They played the game at their pace. They made Florida play the game that they wanted to uh, that they wanted to play, and Florida didn't do a good job of stopping it. So all props to Kentucky going out there and getting a big win. That was the first time they've beaten Florida in Lexington since 1986, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? Yep. Yep. So yep. 1986. Yeah, it's a huge win. Uh, it actually puts Kentucky. 
in the driver's seat for the SEC East, or at least for second in the SEC East behind Georgia, uh, makes that game not this weekend, but next weekend when Kentucky comes into Athens for a 3.30 kickoff on CBS, way, way, way more important um, than it did two weeks ago when we really didn't think Kentucky was much. Much more than maybe a top 35, 40 team, but I mean, right now they're top 15. I think they're 16 or 17. So I don't really think they're that good. I wouldn't have them that high, but I think Kentucky, as of now, is a top 20 team. I don't think they're going to stay there because I think they should lose to Georgia for sure. Um, they're undefeated right now. They're 5 and 0. I think by the end of the season, they'll lose at least three games. It's not a super tough schedule either. I'm not. Listen. Wait, I, I I disagree with you. I don't think Kentucky is is a top twenty five team. I think they just came out there and beat Florida. That that, that that's exact. That's what I think happened. Uh, I I think they're you know a solid football team. They're a football team you should you should prepare for during the week, or or else they'll beat you. But I don't think they're a top twenty five team. Georgia should have no issue handling them on Saturday. You know, just like how they did against Arkansas this uh, this past Saturday at noon. A lot of people thought Arkansas was going to come in there. Like I thought Arkansas was going to come in there and 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 you know beat Georgia, but I was clearly wrong. I clearly gave Arkansas way too much credit. That being said, I'm not going to go back and say that you know Arkansas was not a good football team because they are. Uh, do I think that they were a top 15, you know, top 10 football team? No, not at all. I, I you know I I don't I don't really don't give that Texas win that that much credit. I don't give that Texas A&M win that much credit because those teams really aren't that good, and they faced a really Really good Georgia team who, let's just be honest, at this point, they are neck and neck with Alabama when it comes to the best teams in the country. That defense is ridiculously good. And I think, you know, honestly, not having JT Daniels was a good thing for Georgia on Saturday because it gave him a little extra boost on offense because of, of his of his uh, Stetson Bennett's mobility. So, you know, Arkansas is good, but they're they're not what we thought they were. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas is not a top 10 team. Um I think Georgia will get credit for beating the number eight team and beating them as bad as they did. But by the end of the season, Arkansas is going to be at best a top 20 to 25 range team. I mean, I don't think they're going to lose more than four games. I mean, they still got to play Alabama. They still got to play Auburn. They still got to play LSU. They still got to play Mississippi State, who's playing good football right now. Um, I mean, it's it's a tough schedule going down the stretch. The SEC West is really tough, but they are way better than we thought they were. And then Georgia, I mean, I mean, you said it best, Lando. Georgia's playing out of their minds. The defense is elite. I think, I think Georgia's defense as of now is the best unit in all of college football. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I'm not saying that Georgia can beat Alabama at this point. I think the way that Alabama looked against Ole Miss. I think Alabama is still the number one team, but obviously we're speaking a little too far ahead. Georgia right now, looking at their schedule, should not lose a game this season. Yeah, Witt, I, I completely agree with you. And Witt, since you don't want to say it, I'm going to say it for you. Georgia can 100% be Alabama this year. They, 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 it, it can happen. Oh. It, it can definitely happen. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying Georgia can't beat Alabama. I'm just saying... If you look at how the offense for Alabama played this weekend compared to how Georgia's offense played, and obviously it's a little bit different because Georgia had a backup quarterback in, but Bryce Young, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in college football, and that kind of makes a big difference. As good as JT Daniels is, he's not Bryce Young. Yeah, but he looked really good against an Ole Miss defense that let's just, come on, man, Ole Miss defense is non-existent. It's horrible. 
So anybody is going to look good against Ole Miss's defense. Now, when Bryce Young plays against Georgia's defense in the SEC championship game, then that, that'll, that'll be the true test. We'll, we'll be able to see how that good it really is. Will be, if, if we do get to that point, and I think we will, and I think everybody thinks we will, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, but I'll say this about Ole Miss's defense. I came into that game being very critical about Ole Miss's defense. I was saying that I don't really think from what they've done this year up to the Alabama point, it didn't really seem like they did enough for me to say their defense was better than it was last year. But going back and watching that game and kind of piecing it together, I don't really blame that game as much on the defense as I do on Lane Kiffin's aggressive play calling in the first half. He went for he went for it on fourth down twice, one time in his own territory, and put the defense in bad situations. I think he only punted the ball in the first half once, and they scored. They didn't score at all. They were down 28-0. to zero. So to me, that's, that's just poor coaching. That's coaching like your team is Vanderbilt trying to come in and beat Alabama. Um, so I'm actually, I'm putting that, that loss solely on Lane Kiffin, honestly, completely serious. I mean, yeah, you, you could say that, but, you know, Lane Kiffin probably knows a lot more than we do. Uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You got mighty Alabama coming in and you got to, you know, throw everything, including the kitchen sink and grandma at at Alabama. And, you know, sometimes you got to do what you have to do. So, yeah, we can we can put that 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 blame on Lane Kiffin. But at the, at the end of the day, his players have to go out and play. Lando, I kind of disagree with that, man. I mean, I'm I'm a power HVAC rental salesman, so I would say I probably know a little bit more about football than Len Kiffin. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but if we're being serious, I mean, I mean, you're right. Like the offense didn't show up to play either. Um, I mean, they played decent, but they got into bad situations and and couldn't convert. They couldn't score until that second half, where Bama kind of took the foot off the gas and let them let them score that 21 points. Um, but I do think they look better. I think Ole Miss to me is a is still I think they were ranked 12. I think they're still a top 15 team. And I honestly could see them going undefeated for the rest of the season. I don't think they will. I think they're going to drop one just because the schedule is so tough. Um, but Alabama outplayed them well better than I thought they would. I knew it was going to be a blowout, but I did not think it would be a blowout like it was. I mean, zero points in the first half for that offense is unreal. No, yeah, Alabama definitely came to play. Uh, Stanford definitely came to play against Oregon. They upset uh, they upset Oregon over the weekend. So uh, Oregon has just taken the Pac-12's chances of making the college football playoff and just flushed them completely down the toilet. Yeah, that was a very surprising game to me. Um, I actually bet on Stanford too, um, like I did Kentucky, but it was because of the same thing. It was a it was with the spread. I didn't really think Oregon would pull off. Or Stanford would pull off that upset over Oregon, but it just seemed like one of those prime games. I mean, it was at Oregon or is that Stanford? Tanner McKee, Stanford's quarterback, has been playing really good football since they beat USC. He got put in in the first game of the season uh, when they were against Kansas State, when their starting quarterback Jack West really couldn't get anything going. Tanner McKee's has completely changed that offense. Um, after that game, I was saying their head coach. Probably should be fired. I mean, he's been there forever. He's done a really good job. But at some point, you got to be like, all right, let's let's go ahead and move on. David Shaw. But David Shaw has done a really good job of bringing the Stanford team back. I think Stanford is going to be a really tough out for the Pac-12 for the rest of the season. But, man, that is a huge shot to Oregon. 
Oregon really needed to stay undefeated to continue their march toward the playoff. But right now, I think it kind of puts teams like Cincinnati and Penn State and Iowa and even Oklahoma back in the driver's seat to to make the playoff. Well, yeah, Cincinnati definitely uh, improved their case by beating Notre Dame. They almost gave it away. They had several chances to to seal that game away early. Uh, but, you know, a couple of missed uh, PATs and field goals kind of kept Notre Dame in that game. But Cincinnati pulled it off. Uh, they're looking good. They did pull it off. And Cincinnati looked really good. Desmond Ritter is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in college football. The dude's an absolute stud. Played really well in the Peach Bowl last year, too, against Georgia. And he's looked great all season. Only time he hasn't looked great is that first half against Indiana. And since then, he's been fantastic. Um, To me, I think if Notre Dame started Drew Pine instead of Jack Cohn and then trying to throw Tyler Buckner in there, too, at quarterback, I think Notre Dame actually would have ended up winning that game. But because they tried to play that little QB carousel that so many coaches try to play in such an important game, too, Cincinnati looked like they handled Notre Dame pretty easily to me. I mean, it ended up being an 11-point game, and it wasn't really surprising how it turned out. But I could have seen, like, if that game was played again later on in the season, I could see Notre Dame playing a little bit better. I'll tell you, too, another team that looked a lot better this week is Ohio State. They played Rutgers. They ended up winning, um, it was like 52-7. to and Rutgers last week actually kept it close to Michigan. Michigan's ranked in the top 10 this week. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's, it's Rutgers. We all know who Rutgers is. We know what they do. But C.J. Stroud looked a lot better. Defense looked a lot better. If Ohio State takes that stride and really starts to play the way that Ohio State can play with that talent and with Ryan Day, they could be one of those. They're, no, they could be a playoff no, team. No, 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 no. Ohio State's chances of making the playoff are over. They're over. I don't. I don't care. I don't care if if they win the rest of these games. I, it, it doesn't matter because there are too many teams ahead of them right now that are looking really good. And if these teams keep winning like they are, Ohio State's chances are done. So I I don't want to hear none about Ohio State getting in. I can't stand Ohio State. They're they're they're, they're dead to me. Especially if Oregon keeps keeps losing. If Oregon keeps losing, and keeps uh, playing the way they are. Ohio State's credibility is all gone, so I, I, don't, I don't want to hear nothing about Ohio State. Yeah, they beat Rutgers. It's Rutgers. Who cares? Nobody really cares about Rutgers. So, you know, whatever. Ohio State looked good. Blah, blah. Move on. Are you telling me that if Ohio State ends the season as the Big Ten champion with one loss, they're not going to make the playoff? That's exactly what I'm telling you, because what if what if Cincinnati wins out? What if Oklahoma wins out? You know? If uh, if if Alabama and Georgia play in the SEC championship game and both those teams are undefeated, both those teams are getting in. All right, so we're in the spots. Yeah, so so where where can Ohio State get in? They they can't. It's impossible for them to get in if if these teams keep winning out. It's impossible. I don't know, man. I mean, I I kind of agree with you, and I think Cincinnati, if they go undefeated, should get in over Ohio State. I don't. I, just, I don't know, man. I just can't see them leaving out a one-loss Big Ten champion. I mean, dude, they put in Ohio State last year after they only played six games, and they still put Ohio State in the playoff. There, I mean, Ohio State made it what in 2016 with one loss, and they didn't even play in the Big Ten championship. They went in over the Big Ten champion that beat them earlier that season. So, I'm just saying, like, if Ohio State's playing well and they pat, they're passing the eye test. I'm not saying I would do it, but I do think the committee will somehow find a way to put them in. I don't think they're going to do it over an undefeated Oklahoma. I don't think they're going to do it over... I mean, obviously, they wouldn't do it over an undefeated Iowa or Penn State, but if that's the case, then Ohio State would have had to lose another game. But I do think Cincinnati would be tough. 
honestly, it might come down to one loss Oregon and one loss Ohio State. And right now, the AP poll has Ohio State ranked ahead of Oregon, which to me makes zero sense. It's because that's because there there's a huge love affair for Ohio State that I would never understand. It just it just it's mind blowing to me that people give Ohio State so much credit, even with one loss. So uh, honestly, I hope Michigan can finally can finally beat Ohio State, so that way we can go in and truly get Ohio State at the picture. Because honestly, I'd rather see see Michigan have a chance to get into the the playoff uh, over Ohio State. That's how fed up I am with Ohio State. That would be interesting, Michigan. Michigan, oh, dude. They they've looked good. They look really balanced this year. They beat Wisconsin. Um, I just don't. I just don't, I don't think Wisconsin's that good. I'm not really buying Michigan yet. I don't know if you are or not. Um, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. I think if there's going to be a team that's going to beat Ohio State this year, it's going to be Penn State, and that's the only team that could do it. And then maybe Iowa in the Big Ten championship. But up to that point, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you two other teams that have a huge love affair with the media and the polls are Auburn and LSU. Auburn and LSU, to me, the past couple of years, constantly underachieving where they should be, and they are always ranked. I don't know what it is. Every game they play is like this massive, massive game. To me, obviously this year, LSU is not that good. I think Auburn's a good football team, but I do not think they are a top, I think they're ranked top 15 right now. They're not a top 15 team. They might be top 25, but they're not top 15. It's driving me a little crazy. You don't want to know why they get all that love. It's because they're in the SEC, and it just means more. You know, teams that are in the SEC are always going to get that that the extra boost of 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 love just because they're in the SEC. I don't really don't understand it. I mean, it was a good game. Uh, Auburn looked pretty good. Bo Nix is still kind of. I don't. I don't know what it is with Bo Nix. I think he looks good at some points, and I also think he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. Eating too uh, much bojangles sometimes. He looked a lot better than uh, LSU's quarterback. TJ Finley, yeah. yeah. I think Bo Nix is a lot better this year than people are giving him credit for. The past two years, he's been garbage. Now, his freshman year, he pl- I mean, it was, you know, freshman growing pains. Last year, it was the sophomore slump. I think everybody coming in this year was like, oh, my gosh, are we really getting another season of Bo Nix? I do. I mean, we just got a new coach. What's the point of seeing this guy come at it again? That's how I felt, at least. To me, the way he played against Penn State and the way he played – against LSU I think this is his job I don't know why they keep pulling him for TJ Finley honestly if I were Bo Nix I'd be really pissed off about it but he has done nothing but be supportive uh when he got pulled off that game at LSU on the sideline at Death Valley you could see it on his face he's encouraging he's coming up to Finley he's like hey this is what I saw on the defense when I was out there doing all this crazy stuff and then he gets put back in the game and he plays one of the best games of his career um, not as good as the Alabama game from 2019 where he threw for over 300 yards and they ended up beating him, but it was a really good game. I mean, he had some really good plays. He looked like a little Johnny Manziel out there. Uh, but he, I think he's a lot better than people are giving him credit for. I don't think he's a Heisman contender or anything. I don't think he's going to be a draft pick, but I do think he's a decent college quarterback. Yeah. And, um, I think that LSU is going to finally give old Ed Orgeron the old boot at the end of this year. I, I don't know. Dude. Just uh, some, something feels something feels weird in the air at LSU, and it, it, I think it's time that they get a new message. Yeah, I mean, look at their schedule right now. They're they've lost two games to LSU and Auburn, and honestly, they should have lost to Mississippi State too. They should have a losing record at this point. Um, I think they're three and two. They still have to play Alabama. They still have to play Florida, and I mean, give Florida credit. 
they're not a top 10 team, but they're still a pretty good football team. I mean, I'm, I would pick Florida to beat LSU this year. So, I mean, LSU could easily be a 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five team. If that happens, I do not think Ed O'Dron will survive the year. I've actually heard that there's there's a very, very good chance he gets fired before the end of the season. All right, well, we'll go ahead and move on to the mailbag. Our first question is from at Chad S underscore 529. And we're going to change it up a little bit. This is a baseball question. His question is, predictions for our Atlanta Braves in the National League Division Series. Linda, what do you think? Uh, I think the Braves are playing really, really good baseball right now. I don't want to get too excited because, of course, you know, the the Braves have a tendency to break to break our hearts. But I think if they continue to play solid baseball, keep the bats hot, keep the pitching really good, the the Braves have a, have a decent chance. I saw somewhere where the the players were talking about how the addition of Jock Peterson really did help the help the dugout like improve team morale and kind of helped them turn around that season. I don't know. I don't know what it is about the Braves. It might just be AA, but I feel like every trade deadline piece we ever acquire is a like locker room guy, like perfect for the dugout. Like Azuna like, a couple and, years and, ago. Yeah, yeah. Like it was. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, <was>. until now, <laughs> he was. And, yeah, until this point. But I mean, even like Pop, like Pablo Sandoval. Like I mean, everybody saw he got picked up. It's like, oh, there's a little minor leaguer just in case we need to bring up a first baseman or whatever. And he ended up being, you know, pretty solid bat for us to start the year. I feel pretty good about the Braves against the Brewers. I'm not going to lie. The Brewers have had a really good season. They were really hot to end the year. But I think if the Braves, just like last year, if they can get the pitchers to go six or seven innings and keep the bullpen arms out of the game as much as possible, because our bullpen is atrocious, I think the Braves have a pretty good chance. They got hot right at the end there. Um, they took three from the Phillies in that crucial series. Uh, they took two from the Mets too. Um, I'm, I'm going to say the Braves win. I think it goes to four or five. And I'm going to say five. Um, in a really really tight game, Max Fried pitches game five. Um, I don't think the Braves get much further than that though. I'm, but I'm going to say they beat the Brewers. Let me tell you, I'm really kind of glad that the Dodgers are in the wild card slot this year. That's just another round where they hopefully get knocked out because, you know, I think the Braves can beat anybody this year, but unfortunately the Dodgers are loaded and they're kryptonite for the Braves. If the Dodgers can get upset in the wild card, I will feel very different about the Braves' chances to go for it all. But, man, could you could you imagine if the Braves ended up winning the World Series without Ronald Acuna? The same year they lose Acuna, they lose Ozuna. Mike Soroka doesn't get to come back. I was going to say, the I mean, roster from the beginning to the end of this season has yeah. changed dramatically. It has. And, I mean, the roster's pretty good. I mean, the, the outfield is what's changed the most. I mean, started the season with Ozuna, Christian Posh, and then center field, and then, and then Acuna. And Acuna tears his ACL. Ozuna has his personal problems. And Posh got sent down to AAA because he was hitting, like, 105 for the year. Um, and it's all it's all different guys right now, but they're playing pretty well. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to Chad's next question. Back to football. Um, this one is, Mark Stoops is a top blank head coach in the country. What do you think, Lando? I think Mark Stoops is a really good football coach. Like What, what he does at Kentucky, that's a basketball school. The fact that he's able to get Kentucky to, to the levels that they are in the SEC with the, the, the type of talent that he gets, I think Mark Stoops is top, say, 15 in the country, a top 15 coach in the country. Yeah, I am going to say top eight. I'm going to say inside top ten. He, 
The fact that he coaches at Kentucky is what's holding him back, though. I think if he was coaching anywhere else, like if he took that job at Florida State, um, say the LSU job comes available this year, he takes the job at LSU. Um, I don't know if he'd really fit well at USC, but say he takes one of those like bigger jobs where he can recruit whoever he wants to recruit. I mean, it's like if L- at LSU, he could recruit anybody and he can implement the coaching that he's done at Kentucky. I think he could be a very, very, very good football coach. I mean, he's done some amazing things with Kentucky. Um, they, It's unbelievable how well he has them playing every single year. I mean, they they are consistently a top three program in the SEC East. So I'm, I'm going to say top eight, top eight for sure. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to our next question. This one's from at Kenneth Carletta. And his question is, do the Falcons go QB in the draft this year with Matt Ryan looking like a thriller extra? I'm going to th- go ahead and assume that's a zombie. Uh, yeah, the Falcons should have drafted a quarterback last year. They they messed up. And the Falcons need to draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft because Matt Ryan's over. It's over. They, the, the Falcons just put themselves in a giant hole when they went and paid Matt Ryan all this money. And then last year in the draft, they went and drafted um, the, the tight end out of Florida. And he's a good player. You just don't have anybody to throw him the ball. So, yeah, the Falcons need to go ahead and draft a quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. I think they should have traded Matt Ryan last year at the deadline and then taken Justin Fields when they had a chance. I mean, there's there's four pretty good quarterbacks, and we had the number four pick. I think no matter if we would have gotten Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, and or Trey Lance, I mean, all those guys are great. I mean, look at Mac Jones. Mac Jones went 15, and he just outplayed Tom Brady last Sunday. I just don't know if there's a good quarterback in this draft. I mean, Sam Howell's pretty good. Spencer Rattler's got a lot of upside. Um, Matt Corral is obviously a pretty good player. If I were them, I would consider it, depending on what draft pick they're going to have. I would probably trade Matt Ryan at the deadline this year, uh, but I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to run with Matt Ryan again. I think they're going to skip out on a quarterback again. They might take one like the third round and say, like, oh, he's our development piece. Um, honestly, I don't trust the coaching for the Falcons, and I don't trust the guy in the front office either. I don't. I don't trust either one of them. I don't think they've done a good job so far. I will not be nice about it. I. I, I think it's going to be rough for the Falcons for the next couple of years. So I'm going to say they're going to stick with Matt Ryan until the very end, which is a awful decision. So we'll go ahead and move on to Kenny's next question. This one is: Will Stetson Bennett's performance make QB one a competition again this year? Yes, because of his ability to run and his arm talent and his smarts. So I, I think I think so. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say no. I think if JT Daniels is healthy, he is QB1. But I think the fact that JT Daniels is consistently hurt will make it a QB1 competition because I think JT Daniels is going to get held out of a lot of games in this regular season. A lot of games. I don't think he's going to play this weekend. Um, I think if Kentucky is still undefeated, I think there's a good chance he plays against Kentucky. Um, I see it kind of being a situation where we start Stetson Bennett. I could see us starting him in every single game for the rest of the year. And then if JT needs to come in, say the offense just isn't scoring points or we're losing a football game and we have to throw the ball, then we put JT in. Cause I don't think they're going to try and throw the ball with Stetson Bennett. I just don't think they're going to. Um, as you saw against Arkansas when he throws the ball 11 times for 70 yards. Um, so I'm going to say no. No, it's it's JT Daniels' job. See, I think where they could slip up is if JT is not necessarily 100% and they're just trying to get him in because he's QB1. You could potentially slip up in a big game. 
Stetson Bennett, he's obviously not JT Daniels, but he's doing pretty darn well. And I think if you even have a question mark on JT and Daniels being ready to go or not, I think that Stetson can get the job done. But if you put in JT Daniels and he is battling that injury and you're just trying to get him in there because he is the more talented player, even with that injury, he could potentially cause some problems you might have to try to recover from. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've already done that this year. I think they did it with Vanderbilt because, I mean, he looked really, really good against Vanderbilt, but you can tell the fact that he didn't play in this last game tells me that he's been injured since day one. Yeah, they're being they're being very cautious too. Yeah, they've been very cautious with him. I mean, even against Vanderbilt, he got pulled in the first quarter. I mean, he's only played one full game this season. Yeah, Kirby won't even so, let him throw. That's Actually, that's not true. He played the full game against South Carolina too. But South Carolina and Clemson are the only full games he's played. He played the first quarter of Vanderbilt, and then they stuck in Stetson for the rest of the game. And even against South Carolina, they pulled him like two drives in and put in Stetson, but then Stetson threw a pick. So they're like, all right, let's just, let's, let's roll with JT so we don't blow this game. Um, I, I mean, personally, I'm not very high on Stetson Minute. I think as a backup quarterback, he's fantastic, but he should not be our starting. I mean, the SEC is too strong, and, and Georgia's schedule is not that tough once you get past Florida. But up until that point, as good as our defense is, I'm very uneasy having Stetson Bennett start a quarterback. I'm, I think he's been awesome. He was awesome last year for us considering his situation. But, I mean, being realistic, he just doesn't have the arm talent. And he's not – he just doesn't have the natural ability to beat teams like – the top teams we're going to have to end up playing. So I'm um, no Stetson Bennett is not our QB one. But anyway, moving on to our next question. This one's from at Pocorny Aaron. And his question is besides UGA and Bama, who's the team in the sec to be worried about after this weekend? Ha, nobody. If we're talking about playoff situation, nobody, because I don't think anybody else is going to beat Alabama or Georgia. And I think we kind of all agree on that. And I think everybody in the country can probably agree on that. Um, I think the third best team in the SEC. Tennessee. Ha, huh, no. <laughs> they look good, though. They did look good, but it's not Tennessee. I'm going to say I need to see how Auburn looks this weekend. If Auburn looks pretty good against Georgia, they get them at home. Uh, Bo Nix is playing a little bit better. They're riding a little bit of momentum coming off that LSU game. Honestly, the only game that Auburn has played really bad in was that Georgia State game, and they honestly should have lost, uh, which is wild to me. So I'm going to say Auburn for now. I think by the end of the season, it's going to be Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss, Ole Miss is a good football team, like I was saying before. I think they're better than the score indicated against Bama. I think they match up well with a lot of teams in the West because I don't think a lot of teams can throw the ball in the SEC this year. So I'm going to say Ole Miss is that team to watch. And moving on to our last question. This one's from at Nick Rayberg. His question is, who truly deserves the number three spot in the country? Cincinnati because of Desmond Ritter. I don't, I don't trust Iowa's quarterback. I think whoever wins between Iowa and Penn State deserves the number three spot in the country. And I don't think – I think Cincinnati is probably on par with those two teams, but their schedules are better, and they've played better against proven competition than me. Now, Indiana hasn't really been that great. They both beat Indiana. Penn State beat Wisconsin, who ended up not being that good. But Penn State's beat Auburn, who I think is a pretty good football team. And um, Iowa's beaten. They beat Indiana. They beat Iowa State. Um, they've beaten some pretty good teams, and they've played really well. I mean, I think Maryland has a pretty good offense, and they caused a, they caused seven turnovers on Friday. I mean, their defense is not good, but they scored like 52 points. 
and completely blew up. So I'm going to say whoever wins between Penn State and Iowa, that's going to be three. And then whoever loses probably will launch back to like seven or eight. And then Cincinnati's going to jump into that four spot with Oklahoma like right on their tail. So that's that's how I'm, that's where I'm at right now. We'll go ahead and move on to our pour one out, cut them off segment. Lando, who you pour one out for this week? All right, so um, cutting off the rain and NASCAR, uh, I went to the race this weekend at Talladega, and uh, my dad and I checked the weather, checked the forecast, and we knew it was going to be difficult to get the race in just because of the forecast, uh, the way the rain looked. Uh, on the drive-in to Talladega, we actually drove through a whole bunch of rain. It was like a monsoon. Uh, we got to the track, set up our tailgate, and the rain actually stopped for a little bit. And it was just kind of scattered showers here and there. So uh, we decided to make our way into the track, and uh, they were tra- driving the track, and they had the pace cars running around the track, and the, the jet dryers driving the track. Little did we know that that was all the action that we were going to get to see that day on Sunday. Uh, all we got to see were the jet dryers on track and the pace cars running around the track just because of the rain. Uh, NASCAR decided to get the cars f- uh, fired up, and they ran a few pace laps, but it started raining again, and the track was gone. So they decided, decided to move the race to Monday, and uh, we had to drive back Sunday because I had to work on Monday and uh, had to miss the race because of rain. First race I've ever had to miss uh, because of weather. So uh, cutting off the rain, and I am pouring one out for Bubba Wallace, who won yesterday's uh, race at Talladega. Uh, he is only the second african-american driver in nascar history to win a race the first one was wendell scott back in 1963 and uh it's just awesome just to see how far this the sport has come to, to have an african-american driver win a race and uh you know a lot of people are going to try and discredit his win i've already seen a lot of people call his win a mickey mouse win but you know at the end of the day uh every driver on the track knew that the rain was coming and they all had the same information and bubba wallace got his car from 20th all the way to first just just in, in a matter of a few laps, and he was leading uh, when the rain came out. So, uh, you know, for the people who want to discredit Bubba Wallace's win, you know, uh, Brandon Brown, who won the Xfinity race on, on Saturday, won that race because of darkness. So you might as well go ahead and discredit his, too, if you want to hate. Uh, so I'm pouring out for Bubba Wallace. Good job, man. Uh, you have a, a bright future. Uh, I think next year is going to be really awesome for 2311 Racing when they have Kurt Busch coming along, and uh, it's just going to be awesome for NASCAR to continue to grow. Yeah, Lando, Bubba Wallace actually did a really good job of knowing where they were race-wise. Like, they, he knew what lap they were on, and yeah. he got to the front quick. Got to the front quick. I remember quick. I, was, I was sitting there at work with the sound on and everything watching the end of the race, and uh, yeah, everybody was laughing at me. And I was turning it up. I was like, God, Bubba is is just cruising to the front. I was yeah. like, I was like, watch, he's, he's going to get up there. It's going to end up ending on a rain delay, and uh, he's going to end up winning it all. And then once he got to the front, and they and – they, uh, they threw on the red flag. I was like, he, he won, dude. And you know, Three laps left on the red flag. It's over. And you know, it, it makes me so mad that that I had to I had to work yesterday and I wasn't able to actually be at the track because we, we were gonna we were at the track that Sunday and it just uh, that would have been know, that would have been so cool and, if you were actually there to see it. Like, too. To see it, like I, I I missed the opportunity to see a, a black driver win a race for the first time in my life. You know, but <sighs> by one day, and it's just I, I hate it. I got to see it on TV on my phone, but. Oh, man, I just just sad that I didn't get to see it in person. That is just that's super unlucky, Lando. That's yeah. super unlucky. But I'll tell you, man, I'm going to pour one out for Tom Brady, uh, just for the way that he and the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick went about what they did Sunday night. Um, I'm not a big fan of like these flashy 
like welcome back stuff. I think it's kind of dumb. But for Tom Brady, I mean, what he's done for that organization, the amount of Super Bowls he's brought in, what he's done for Bill Belichick, I think he deserved every single bit of it. I think he played it off with class. And he also passed Drew Brees for most passing yards in NFL history in a career. So pour one out for Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. It's unquestioned. Um, I think Drew Brees still holds the touchdown record, but I think Tom Brady's right on his heels again. So uh, definitely pouring one out for you, Tom. And I'm going to be cutting off the 12-team playoff because, I mean, look at this weekend. This past weekend, top three team loses Oregon. Look at who's ranked right now and tell me how many teams in the top 10 really deserve to make the playoff. I don't think there's many. I mean, it's Georgia and Alabama, and then you have this deep, deep drop-off. And yeah, whoever goes undefeated, whoever has one loss, they deserve to make it and get their chance. But personally, the way that things are right now, I would not pick anybody to beat Georgia or Alabama this season, except for Georgia or Alabama. So I'm thinking a 12-team playoff is just not necessary. If it, if it like, look, if we had the 12-team playoff, teams like Florida, like Clemson, those kind of teams would still be in the running to make it. I mean, a two-loss ACC champions end. A two-loss, I mean, say Florida wins out and beats, I mean, if they beat Georgia, say Florida wins out or say Florida has three losses, I think there's a chance they could get in um, if we had a 12-team. So I'm, I just think it's extremely unnecessary. I say four teams is the most we need. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of coming back to that this season since it's so, like, it's so obvious who who's at the top and who – um, who really deserves to be in there. And there's, I think there's going to be a lot of two-loss teams that year, this year that just don't deserve it. That would make it if it was a 12-team playoff. So, yep, I'm going to cut off the 12-team playoff. Keys, who are you pouring one out for? I'm pouring one out for the 2021 season in general. Just really been an exciting season so far. There's been lots of interesting upsets and lots of teams in the top 10, top 25 that we don't normally see where they are. And... I think it's going to shape out to be a very interesting year. The The college football playoff has some very interesting scenarios. Uh, we still got a lot of season to go, so we'll see how it goes. But so far, it's been pretty entertaining. And I'm cutting off going up to the NFL, Urban Meyer. Absolutely embarrassing this past weekend. If you didn't see it, there's you know, videos surfacing around. Urban Meyer goes back up to Ohio, puts on an Ohio State quarter zip, and just kind of goes out to a bar and getting hammered and, and kind of letting some women grind up on him a little bit. This is kind of disgusting, honestly. And to be someone who's a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars team, you're going to let this guy come in and try to tell you about, talk to you about culture and about how to win. Like Trevor Lawrence, why is he going to want to listen to anything Urban Meyer has to say? He's kind of destroying his career and he's obviously not caring very much about doing it at all. He's going off doing things on the weekend that he shouldn't be doing. He's not very invested he's not very focused if i'm the jaguars i gotta get rid of him now no yeah um yeah urban meyer sent his team home like he sent his team back to jacksonville and stayed in ohio and and went out to <laughs> like what what a loser he looked, he's, he's wearing he's, he was wearing an ohio state quarter zip jacket goes out to the bars it starts like dancing with these young like yeah like i don't know if they were college girls but they were young no, they were not young a college they girl. look pretty the, young the girl in that one video she was a, she was yeah, a woman she, but i don't yeah like she, they were younger than urban <laughs> he just looked moon-faced like 
there, there was like this one girl that was like dancing on him, and then he he takes like a picture with a couple of these young girls. Dude. Like, okay, yeah, let's bring that up too. What kind of idiot? You're an idiot. <laughs> like, look, look, it, you're an idiot for going and and doing all that stuff when you're married. Number one, but then number two, you're taking pictures. You're letting yourself get videoed. You're even wearing you know Ohio State Ohio freaking State quarter jacket. zip. You're not incognito at all. You could not be more profiled. They're like, they're like, and he tried to. I think he even tried to say at one point. He's like, "Oh, that wasn't me. That was somebody else." It's like, yes, that was you. That's you. There's literally a close up picture of you with the chick wearing the exact same thing in that video. That was you. I mean. I mean, dude, and, and uh, it's just crazy. I don't understand how 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 as an NFL coach do you not go? Not, how do you not travel back with your team? You know what I mean, and, <laughs> and, and prepare for the game. Dude, next he's week. checked out. He's ready for USC. What, is, what does the team say? There's like, okay, yeah, I, I've wondered that. I was <laughs> thinking about that this weekend. I was like, what do you what do you think? Like, you're in the locker room. This guy comes back in. Everybody's like, looks at him like, hey, what's up, coach? We saw what you were doing this they're weekend. Not, is they're he not married? Gonna win it. They're not going to win a game this year. Is yeah, he? he's married. I mean, you didn't know he was married. I, 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 Dude, that's I the mean, whole point. If, if he wasn't married, it'd be it'd be like, oh, it's, it's like it's like Ed Ogeron. That's yeah. crazy. That that's 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 insane. That, well, Ed Ogeron's not married. So no, I know. That's why I different. said it would be like Ed Ogeron. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Ed Ogeron, it was weird, but it wasn't. Ed Ogeron is it married. Wasn't, what are you talking you know, about? Cheating on your wife? No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Ed Ogeron, look Ed, it up. Ed Ogeron has a wife. Please look it up. Look it up. Ed Ogeron has no wife. Ed Ogeron married? Question mark. Uh, he does not have a spouse. Oh. No. That's what I thought. If I'm Jacksonville, like, how do you play for this guy? I don't think you can. I mean, if I was, like, if I was Trevor Lawrence or anybody on that team, leaving Ohio, and my coach is like, oh, I, I need a mental break. I'm going to, I'm going to stay and hang. And then you see all these videos of him. I just don't know, man. I don't, I don't see them playing for him this year. I could see him being let go by the, by next week. He's trying to get let go. I actually don't think that's right. People have been saying... Now that's his. That's like a big like conspiracy theory that he's trying to do all this stuff so he can go back to college. And they were saying that that night, like when he was talking to these girls, he was like, "Oh, I wish Rutgers was still on my schedule and all this stuff." It's like, "Oh, I miss playing Rutgers and NFL teams." But if you're USC, are you going to hire him? No, he may not be trying no. to get let go, but he's definitely just coasting and cashing that check. I think his reputation has completely destroyed him now with, with what happened over the weekend i don't think anybody's gonna hire him if a team wants to hire him that i think they need to rethink their their morals yeah so it'll probably be lsu yeah. but we're gonna go ahead and move on <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and move on to our locks of the week lando who you got this week all right so my lock of the week this week is gonna be florida over vanderbilt i mean vanderbilt isn't even really a football team so i got florida no way florida loses to vanderbilt especially after losing to kentucky last week uh, my lock this week is going to be number 10 BYU over Boise State. Um, I think this is an obvious pick, but the reason this is my lock is because BYU is a three and a half point favorite and Boise State is two and three and they get them at home. So I don't know what Vegas is thinking. I think they're looking too far into the whole Boise State name, but I think BYU destroys Boise State. So if you're a betting man, put your money on BYU and take the points. I bet 50 bucks on them this weekend. So hopefully I'm going to make a little bit of money. Um, if they lose, you will see me crying next week. <laughs> but Keys, who's your lock? All right, my lock of the week this week is Stanford at Arizona State. Uh, they came off a strong win last week uh, against Oregon. And I think that they could knock off another top 25 team this week. So I got Stanford over Arizona State. Nice. Two in a row. That'd be pretty big for Stanford. But we'll go ahead and jump into our main picks of the week, starting off with our Georgia Southern Eagles. 
heading to Troy, who is a four-point favorite. Lando, who are you picking this week? I knew Georgia Southern would look good over the weekend because they had something to play for. They had a head coach that was fired that they really loved, and I really felt that felt the players wanted to go out there and, and, and really win one for Coach Lunsford. Uh, so I think Georgia Southern's going to win again this week. They looked really good over the weekend, so I got Georgia Southern. See, I was real impressed with Georgia Southern this weekend too, Lando, until I found out who Arkansas State's head coach is. Butch <laughs> Jones, the old head coach for Tennessee. I Man, forgot about absolute that. garbage. So, I mean, I, I actually picked – I think I picked Arkansas State last week just thinking we wouldn't show up because the team was all upset about Lunsford getting fired. But obviously we showed up. I mean, it was the best offensive performance I've seen from Georgia Southern in a while. Um, so, I'm going to roll with them again. I think Georgia Southern upsets Troy. Um, coach Whitley has done a really good job. It looks like of getting the players back on track. I've seen a couple videos from practice. It looks like he has them real, real motivated. And if we can keep it up, man, um, I'd love to see Georgia Southern win a couple more games. Maybe knock off App State again this year. Uh, we'll see. But but uh, I'm rolling with Southern. But we'll go ahead and go to our next game. This is one of our SEC games of the week. We got number 13, Arkansas, at number 17, Ole Miss. Both coming off really big blowout losses to number one and number two. Ole Miss is a five and a half point favorite at home. Lando, he got. Uh, I mean, this game. I don't know, man. It's, it's. I, I think this is going to be a weird game because both these teams didn't look good at all uh, against the teams they played over the weekend, Alabama and Georgia. I'm going to go with Ole Miss just because their offense is better. Uh, Matt Corral is, is a better quarterback than whoever is starting for Arkansas. Arkansas needs to figure out what they got going on uh, going on at quarterback because their defense is good. It's just offensively they can't keep up. So I got Ole Miss. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see Ole Miss's offense up against a good defense that is not the Alabama-Georgia defense of the SEC. Um, I think it's a really interesting matchup because Arkansas is very physical on both sides of the ball, and Ole Miss is more flashy on both sides of the ball. There's not a lot of physicality to Ole Miss's uh, team at all so I think I think I'm gonna roll with Ole Miss I just like the fact that they're so explosive on offense um, even though it didn't really look like it against Alabama um, I'm gonna say Ole Miss winning cover but I think it's gonna be a tight cover I think it's only gonna be a six or seven point game but I'm rolling with them uh, we'll go ahead and go on to our next SEC game of the week this one is the seven o'clock CBS game of the year uh, we got number one Alabama as a 17 and a half point favorite heading to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. Lando, he got in this one. This game would even be close, Alabama. I can't believe Matt said he was he was afraid of Texas A&M at College Station. Like, this Texas A&M team is not good, so Alabama's going to blow them out. I think this was like a very good preseason game, and now that it's actually kind of unfolded, it turned out to not be so great. Well, and, and give us credit, the whole podcast. Before the season, we said – about A&M, what exactly happened. We said if A&M has a good quarterback, they're going to be good this year. And if they have a guy who's like Kellen Mond and kind of holding them back on offense, they're not going to be very good. I would say we were right. I mean, A&M is having quarterback issues. I think the rest of their team is actually really good. I think they're going to cover against Alabama in like a surprise kind of cover. I mean, 70 and a half points is a lot of points. And I don't think A&M is a good football team. I think Alabama should cover this game. But I think this game has been circled on A&M's schedule since last year, um, since they missed the playoff. Like, this is their game to show that they actually are a really good team. Um, but the fact that they lost to Mississippi State last week tells me that they just are not there. They're not there mentally. I don't think Jimbo has the team right now. 
Um, so I'm going to take Alabama to win. I'm going to take A&M to cover. Very, very small margin, though. I think it's – I think Alabama wins by, like, 17, and that little hook at the end gives A&M the cover. Uh, when do they pick the game of the year? Do they – was this picked, like, right before the season? This was picked before the season. Okay. They pick – they get a couple – they have a couple SEC games they pick as the 330 games. Like, Florida-Georgia is picked for the 330 game before the season even starts. Alabama Auburn at the end of the year is picked as a 330 game before the season even starts. It's like it's like uh Oklahoma Texas at noon. Like that game that game is set time-wise before the season starts. Same for Michigan Ohio State. That game's picked at noon before the season starts for by Fox. So, this was just the game that they circled and they said, "All right, this is probably going to be the best SEC game of the entire season." So, we're going to we're going to roll with that one cuz these were at the end of the season, this was number one in the SEC, number two in the SEC, and it's at AM. And everyone thought AM was going to be super good this year, and they just have not lived up to expectation. Um, so, but I'm, I'm rolling with Alabama. Next, we have number 14, Notre Dame, as only a one and a half point favorite heading into Blacksburg, Virginia, to take on Virginia Tech. Notre Dame coming off that rough loss to Cincinnati, takes their first loss of the season. Um, I think they got another rough one. Lando, who are you picking? Yeah, no, I think Notre Dame's going to bounce back and play pretty well. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I'm going to take Notre Dame too, but I'm going to take it with the stipulation. I think if Notre Dame starts Drew Pine in this game instead of Jack Cohn or Tyler Buckner, they win this game, and I think it's pretty handily too. I think Virginia Tech's going to show up for this game. I think they're going to play really well, maybe even one of their best games of the season. But Notre Dame just has the talent. They have the talent. They have really good coaching on defense. Um, They're getting healthier. They're getting some guys back on the offensive line. Um, they're starting to get some experience to those younger guys. I'm going to take Notre Dame, and I think they easily cover the one-and-a-half-point spread. Um, I think it's going to be a 14-point game. Um, and then on to our next game. This is the CBS – well, it's the second CBS game of the week. This is the 330 game. We have number two, Georgia, as a 14-point favorite, heading to number 18, Auburn. Auburn coming off that win against LSU, first one since 1999 in Death Valley. Lando, who are you picking? Georgia by three or four scores. This game won't be close either. Yeah, that's what Matt's saying. That's what Matt was saying too. I think I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm usually pretty pessimistic about Georgia, but I think the way they looked against Arkansas and the way Auburn's looked this season, this is a 21 point game, at least. Um, it could be more. I think it's going to be 21 to 24. I don't think Auburn's going to score a lot. I think they're going to get maybe one or two Bo Nix magic scores. Um, like he had last week against LSU, but I'm going to say the score is going to end up being like 31 to seven, give or take around there. It sets a minute starts, maybe like, you know, 24 to seven, but either way, moving on to the college game day game of the week. We have number six, Oklahoma as a three and a half point favorite taking on number 21 in Texas at the Cotton Bowl. Lando, you're on with the Sooners. Wait, you go ahead and pick first. <laughs> I'm actually going to pick Texas. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a surprise win. Um, I think Oklahoma is way better than Texas. I do think this is a game where Oklahoma could actually break out. Um, and like I was saying earlier, I think Oklahoma is playing really well. But I think this rivalry is due for an upset win. So I'm I'm just going to roll with Texas just based on vibes. Yeah, wait. Uh, so I, I, I told you to pick first just because everybody picked Texas last year, including you. You picked Texas last year. And what happened? Oklahoma won. Oklahoma's going to win again this year. So, you know, this game's going to be really good. It's always a good game. You know, uh, sometimes there's always a blowout 
you know, every now and then. But uh, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, what Oklahoma's doing defensively this year. I think they're going to continue to play really well on defense. Hopefully the offense can get get it together. Uh, last year, Spencer Rattler got benched for a couple, a couple series because he wasn't playing well. Hopefully Lincoln doesn't have to do that this week. Uh, hopefully offense comes out and plays well. I'm actually smoking a brisket this weekend, so looking Whoa. looking forward to it. Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner. Uh, okay. Horns down. Uh, you, you pass on the brisket when I'm home for the weekend, but then... Yeah, we play golf. I, I'm, I'm back know? in Nashville. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> on Friday, we could have watched games together Saturday. Uh, I had to work on Saturday, so, so you know. Yeah. I, oh, you did work Saturday. I had the yeah. wedding shower anyway. Well, anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to our Big Ten game of the week. This is number four, Penn State, taking on number three. Iowa, the game is in Kinnick Stadium. Iowa is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Lando, who you got? Yeah, Iowa has a really good defense. Um, I'm not truly sold on Penn State. I don't think they looked that great over the weekend. Um, it's going to be a really good game. Penn State's going to win this game, though. I I, I got Penn State. Ooh. I usually have a take the over game of the week. Well, this is going to be my take the under game of the week. I mean, this is two really good defenses. I think Iowa is the best defense in the country. That's not Georgia. And um, I think they're going to play really well. Sean Clifford's playing a lot better this season, but I think Iowa's defense is going to be too much for him. I'm going to take Iowa at home to win in cover, but I think it's going to be like a 13 to 10 type game. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. Um, I say at most, maybe like, 20 to 17. I mean, it's going to be a low, low scoring game. Both of these offenses aren't super dynamic. They have some good players. They can get the ball rolling if they need to. But with the defenses playing the way they are, especially Iowa's defense, I just don't see this being a blowout on either side. I don't see anybody scoring more than 20, 21 points. Um, But I'm going to roll with Iowa. I think Iowa wins it now. And I think um, Penn State can get to the Big Ten Championship. They're going to have a good chance to beat them later on. But I'm going to roll with Iowa right now. Well, that's the show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our channel on Spotify, and give us a follow on our Instagram at Around the Keg and our Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Our feature artist of the week is Neutral Snap. Give them a follow on social media and check out their music on Spotify and Apple Music. Their brand new album, Tell Me How I Feel, will be available on October 22nd, so be sure to check that out as well. We love these guys, and we can't wait to see them again soon. Here's their song, Maybe Sometimes, to play us out. Have a great week. (laughs) 